Hi everyone. Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. And today we're speaking to Patrick Monette, who is my friend and a peer in the mental health field. Patrick uh, will discuss his faith and spirituality journey, what it was like being bullied as a child, and his own coming out story. In this episode, we, we laugh, we cry, we share many of the same experiences, and I just had so much fun with this one, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear everything that we discuss, and hope it encourages you. So today we are going to talk to Patrick Monette, and I really was interested in the, I'm always interested in the, the subject of spirituality and faith and everybody's different path to, to what they believe in and, and what's kept them going. And so, uh, Patrick, if you would, please introduce yourself. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me here, Tasha. It's a, such an honor. Uh, my name is Patrick Manette. I'm a licensed mental health counselor in private practice in upper, very cold right now, New York State. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for those who are listening, I was on Patrick's uh, Friday Night Feels and... <laughs> It was a great experience. It was one of the most fun experiences uh, I've had so far on my own podcast journey. So I'm glad we connected. Yeah, it was definitely like two souls who have known each other reconnected. It was it was it was a blast. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your own spirituality and faith journey. Well, it you know it's it's been a hodgepodge of experiences, and you know after you and I had talked, I really originally spoke, I started to think about it. Of I've had some really intense experiences in my life with spirituality, with religion, and also with my own mental health journey, which blends into my profession as a, as a mental health counselor. And it, it's, it's been a complicated relationship, I have to say, it, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and sometimes it's it's a little bit bittersweet of, you know, when you're looking through your experiences of, my gosh, I can't believe I went through some of the painful things I went through and some of the amazing things and how they just, they just unfolded so amazingly in my life. That resonates so deeply with me, especially like the painful parts. I think about my own faith journey and how confusing certain parts of it was, you know, do I believe what they told me to believe? Right. <laughs> um, do I rely on that inner part of me that's like, no, nah, that does not feel right. Something's wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, so, so yeah. So do you want to kind of talk about like where, where your faith journey started or what, how were you first introduced to, to certain things? What did your family believe in? Sure. Well, we were raised, uh, you know, I'm from a large family and we were brought up Catholic. And, uh, it, you know, it's so interesting where so many people, you know, will say I'm a recovering Catholic. You know, now I don't know if you've heard that phrase. And, you know, I, I get where they're coming from. But for me, uh, like I don't consider myself Catholic anymore, but it was definitely an important part of my journey. And I was just talking to a friend of mine about this the other day where, you know, growing up, 
it, it was just part of the family. Like it was an obligation. It was, you know, it's, it was what you did to, to be a good person, to be a good Catholic. You had to go to church every Sunday. Maybe if it was allowed on Saturdays, it was, I, I didn't realize how rigid it was until I got a lot older. And I think, you know, I think my parents were really just trying to do the best they can. I think they did the best they can as parents of this, this is, this was their belief system. They were doing what was right, what to teach us love through their lens. Makes sense. Were you, you know, in thinking about that rigidity uh, of Catholicism and, and just how your family practiced and everything, were you ever allowed to to question cert, certain things? Certain like, why do we have to go every Sunday, or why do we have to do this, or you know, were you allowed to question it or or to not believe or? I, I think it was just when you did, you would just get like the side parent answer, you know, the typical of like, because I said so, or because this is what we do. And there, I don't remember and I'm not saying it didn't happen. I just don't remember a lot of discussions of like, why? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, the question you asked of it, if I, if I ever asked or if I was allowed to, and I think not asking or not learning how to ask has played a significant role in my own mental health issues throughout the years, because what I learned was to suppress and to shut down and to comply and to do what I was told. And when I was little, it wasn't, it, I didn't consider it abusive. It, you know, you you trust your parent or, you know, I did. And, and, um, and there was a part of me that I always loved part of the church. There were different things I loved. It was, you know, we had in the summer, we w- I would go to Bible study and it was fun. I, I loved learning the stories. Like it, it made sense. And it, it taught me about compassion. And we had some amazing people in our church, really loving, dedicated people who I think just taught me about compassion and about service and about being there for others. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the most beautiful pieces that I was always drawn to. Mm-hmm. Totally understand that. Um, I grew up Baptist, you know, just just Christian Baptist, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there are certain aspects of the church, um, the, the warm hugs, the the checking on the church members. There's certain things that stick with me that in my own way, I think as an adult, as a mom, just as a person, I've brought that into my life, but differently. Right. Right. It, it, it can coexist or it, not coexist, but it can exist outside of those walls. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So for me, and I'm just curious, once I turned 18 and got on my own, that's when things started to change for me. What was that like for you? It, it's odd. It, I was probably a little bit younger when I really started to rebel. My teenage years were really rough for me, um, just like internal battle. And that's really when I started to struggle with some mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, anger was one of them and a lot of internal internal battles. And I just remembered 
because I was still a kid in my parents' house. So what do you, you follow the family rules, right? Mm -hmm. And I just remember I would go to church and I would hate it. And then I would pretend to go to church and lie about going to church. And then, you know, I would go for like the perfect time, walk around, and then I would go home and no one was the wiser. Oh, I love that. <laughs> a little rebel. So I would, yeah. a little, I was pushing, you know, trying to find my own way. That reminds me so much of, uh, I, for a short time, well, I lived with my grandmother uh, for like my first six years. And then I'd go visit just whenever I was allowed to go visit. Mm-hmm. And she'd say, you guys get up and, and go to church. And so we have to go to Sunday school and then we had to stay for church service, which was, mm. it felt like all day. Right. Right. And so we would go just for a little bit, but we'd always sit in the back and then we'd sneak out. Uh-huh. My, my cousins and I. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyhow, but that was our little thing. And, um, I, I don't know how we just kept getting away with it, but there was, we just did it. So it right. was fun. Yeah. Well, and it was funny because before that, there was a part of me that thought, you know, do I want to become a priest? And I remember being afraid of wanting to become a priest, which was so, which was really complicated for my little brain. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, my brothers and I, we would all be altar servers and I love that. And that, but then something just shifted and it, I just, I didn't feel the connection anymore. Mm. And I, I don't know, it wasn't that anything specifically bad mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. but I just resented having to be there. I didn't feel, I felt that it was monotonous. Mm-hmm. You know, every year you do the same thing. They have the readings all the time. The music's all the same. There, there wasn't anyone who spoke to me understand there wasn't anyone who saw patrick Mm -hmm. it was just you do this you go to heaven and it's like well life is kind of hell right now so what do i i have to wait to get to heaven to reap the rewards like that is messed up oh that's powerful (laughs) (laughs) you want me to live in hell here right (laughs) for however long right and then at some point if you approve if my name's in the big book or whatever, yeah, then, then I'll get to heaven. But right now, I've got to exist in hell. Right. right. Oh, there's a reason why, for anybody listening, I call Patrick my brother. Oh, my God. <laughs> with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> we and definitely so, have a connection. We do because, well, listeners, this is going to sound kind of weird. But so, Patrick, you, you thought about being a priest. I used to think about, and I don't remember the age, but I thought that I was going to be a nun one day. <gasps> no way. I didn't know anything about Catholicism at all, <laughs> except for what I saw on, on TV and whatever. Right. But I just, something in my brain said, you should be a nun. It was that, it was that, that thing of, I could leave everything behind, you know, mm, you, mm-hmm. you leave all your worldly possessions, you, you know, whatever. And you're married to Jesus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was a simplicity and a beauty in that this is all I've got to do is I've just got to love Jesus. Right. Now, I am sure there is way more to that whole thing. Yeah. So I either wanted to be a nun 
or uh, MTV and BET VH1 Video Girl. I mean, that's a perfect balance, right? Like, I could see all of that. <laughs> and I <need> both. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is oh, awesome. You're the first person I've ever told that to, actually. Oh, I feel so honored. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so you 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 started to shift and. Um, when you did, was there any, were you allowed to do that with, with, you know, within the, you know, with freedom and authenticity and, and curiosity for yourself, or was there some explaining you had to do with your family? You know, I think at that time, if I look back at it, I, that's when I really started to struggle with some pretty significant depression. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a really scary time. And even like looking back at it, I still get emotional of like, you know, just looking at little me of it, it was, it was a scary time. Mm-hmm. And I think I just felt lost. I felt disconnected. And in, in the Catholic church, one of the, the sacraments is getting confirmed. So it's basically like, you know, in, in a way becoming an adult in the church. And after I did that, the, I don't know what happened, maybe because I was the youngest, all of a sudden it was okay. It was accepted that I didn't go anymore. Okay. I think uh, I, I think part of, you know, that was discussion of someone, I, I just get the feeling someone told my parents is like, maybe just let them figure this out. Mm. How old were you at the time? I was probably 16 or 17. 16 or 17. Yeah. Um, so at this really young age, you're going through some hard stuff uh you you're you're going through depression um who were the people in your life at that time who were like there for you who were very supportive and that kind of helped you get through some of that stuff i i remember having a couple really close friends Mm -hmm. who were just really really wonderful and and amazing but i also remember telling myself that it wasn't enough like this the depression was just really consuming and it just it it just felt like this really seductive warm blanket that just wanted to suck me in and snuff out my light that's really what it felt like that resonates with me yeah so deeply it's all encompassing i mean it just takes over you can't even think of anything yeah it it just the energy it's like when i think about when someone tells me about depression it was this odd fiery heat in my body that i just mm-hmm. couldn't get out mm-hmm. and there was it was depression but there was anger and there was hatred and there was self-hatred um and powerlessness yeah and just like nowhere to direct it other than in myself Right. And of course, you know, it came out at other people and, and, you know, other people in my life, because how can it not? Mm -hmm. But it just, it was just like this sadness and pain that just wouldn't go away. Mm -hmm. I get that. I get that. And, and it doesn't, it just, it stays there. And even I often describe depression as it's, it's this energy for me it's this energy that even in my happier moments even the laughter even on days when it seems like the depression has taken a little bit of a break Mm -hmm. 
it exists behind the curtain. It's kind of just mm-hmm. like white, right there, waiting on its turn. Yes, waiting for your defenses to go down. Yeah. Just move back in. But it never completely goes. It's just right behind the curtain for me. <laughs> right. Like, I'm just going right. to hang out. You know, you're right. happy right now, but I'm still here. Right. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Patrick. I'm sorry. No, and it, it was just like one of those things of, you know, looking back, of, um, I have part of my struggles is like a distorted relationship with food. And at that point I dropped a significant amount of weight because mm-hmm. I just like wasn't eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I remember this one time, you know how they always say like working out is so great mm-hmm. and all the endorphins. And for some reason I had the complete opposite situation where going to the gym induced my mental health symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I remember the moment that I, that, I was like, I'm either going to ask for help or this is going to take my life Mm -hmm. is I remember sitting in a, in a workout class and I just, the, these dark thoughts that I never experienced started coming in and it really started to scare me. Mm -hmm. And I was in school, you know, I went to a Catholic school and talk about, this is where like, you know, the divine intervention that week, my, my teacher was a nun And she, for whatever reason, got on the discussion of self-harm and reaching out for help. And I remember, and this is funny because I don't think I've ever told anyone this story. Mm -hmm. And I remember staying after and saying something to her. Wow. And then, and she was very gentle and very compassionate. But I also, as a kid, I didn't know the obligations as a teacher Mm -hmm. that you have to report that. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden I'm in a meeting with one of my parents and the school nurse and this teacher basically doing uh, not an intervention, but an assessment. And, you know, even I just remember my mom just being so scared. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I just haven't thought about this whole time. <laughs> it brings it up. Even yeah. I've got, you know, chills in that moment because you, you know, it's like you, you're just being honor, you know, honest, you know, and yeah. you allow that, that vulnerability to, to come to the surface without understanding or knowing because you're, you're so young, the implication right. of that. Right. And I just remember mm-hmm. apologizing to my mom. Mm-hmm. Having to take care of her because now she's, she's impacted <laughs> right. and the family is impacted. And she did, she did what a mom, like she just yeah. hugged me and said it was going to be okay. Oh. But I was so, and I was, I was lucky in that. And I know that, mm-hmm. but that was just kind of like part of the journey. But it, it was like, that's where I knew something in me said, you need to say something mm-hmm. because it's so easy. And how many times in our field do we see people who don't reach out, who don't say something yeah. and that darkness does consume them. For and, sure. And I don't know why, I don't know why, but there was something in me that said, you need to say this. And I, I'm so glad I did because then my healing journey took a better path than mm-hmm. where it could have gone. What was it like to, it sounds like in that moment, your mom responded appropriately and she just loved you through that is that is that accurate I don't want to speak yeah, for you yeah okay. and you know I think you know looking back on it it, it 
they, I was so blessed and thankful they got me into therapy, which, I mean, I grew up in the, that was in the nineties. So going to therapy wasn't really normalized. I mean, it was, it was okay, but it wasn't really normalized mm-hmm. um, as I'm hoping it's becoming today. Uh, I remember, you know, they were really supportive. Like uh, I would do my appointments during school and it just, it worked, worked well. The one thing is, and I, I don't know if it was me because I was, I was angry we never talked about it again I was just getting ready to ask you about that what was it like coming home and other discussions after that point and so okay I remember I remember you know trying to once again like you said try to reassure my dad that you know I would like you know I don't like reassure him Mm -hmm. and he's a really quiet guy and I I don't think he knew what to do and so I think he just, you know, said a few words like of comfort because um, I didn't want them to worry about me, <laughs> which, yeah. you know, like whatever. Yeah. But we never, ever really talked about it again that I remember. Yeah. And I, I wish we could have. Yeah, that's um, even as I hear you talk about that, it, it seems like that's kind of the way of some families. If if we just, you know, if a difficult thing happens, if we just go on Mm-hmm. Don't bring it up. Just go on with life. It'll, right. it'll be okay. You'll be okay. Right. And and at that time, I started to question more. Like that that rebellious started to come up, and I, you know, I got confirmed, and it, you know, I I I pulled away, but then I was pissed, and I started asking questions, and I started learning about my family. Um, you know, I didn't know there was this whole family history. Uh, about addiction Mm -hmm. and I remember saying something to to my parents and the the response was was well we don't talk about this another thing we don't talk about and I remember being enraged of this is my health Mm -hmm. like addiction I knew I didn't know a lot about addiction but I knew you know (laughs) generational it can affect you right and I thought this is something that was withheld from me Mm-hmm. And I started to explore different religions. I was really, I went to the other extreme. I was really drawn to Wicca. Okay. And I just love the power. Like I, I just love that idea. I, you know, so I just started questioning and exploring different spiritual paths because I was over the judgment in the Catholic Church. I was over the sh- the fear. I was tired of worrying about hell. I was tired mm-hmm. of sinning. Mm-hmm. I was, I can remember, you know, when we do first communion or not first communion, when we learn how to, uh, what is it? The, um, com- not confirmation, confession. Mm-hmm. I remember being a little kid in a church pew waiting to see the church, the priest mm-hmm. coming up with things to repent for. I mean, mm-hmm. really like a little kid shouldn't worry about like, it, that's not love to me. Absolutely. Oh, that is, that resonates. That took me back. that took me back I I remember being in church and always because sin was such a heavy topic and and, and going to hell and this fire and brimstone type preaching just always feeling like well I've sinned a lot today so (laughs) I'm sure I don't know what I've done but right I'm probably going to hell. So right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not feeling ever like I'm like I'm good enough to make the right, cut. right. Yeah. And then you know, 
I grew up on Disney films and, and all this stuff. So it's like, oh, if you change these things about yourself, then you'll be happy. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, I tried to change the things, but I couldn't. So it's like, well, then am I just damned? Like, why, why am I here when other people seem to have it so much easier? Yeah. And, and just a lot of questioning of why does God want me to suffer so much? Why is this so hard? Yeah. And, you know, some of the other experiences is, um, you know, I was, I had a part-time job, so I was also dealing with a lot of bullying, of uh, being made fun of, of, and, and one of the things is people can say, oh, just, you know, boys will be boys, your kids will be kids, but it, it is, it is psychologically incredibly damaging when, and here's the thing, Tasha, that I remember, I remember being hated mm-hmm. and I never knew why. Right. And you were all already dealing with internal hatred of just, you know. Right. Right. And I would, because I didn't fit in. Because, you know, yeah. when you don't fit in, you don't fit in. And, you know, at that time, I, you know, you're a kid, you don't really understand things. And, you know, because I wasn't like the macho kid or I wasn't a jock or I wasn't this. All of a sudden, what do men do to other men? You call them a fag. Yep. So I remember being at work and I, I was working with a cousin of mine and um, you know, one of my coworkers who, and I never had any, that was the thing. Like I never did anything to anyone. So I thought if you're a good person, you're a good thing. Good things will happen to you. Bad things won't. Right. That was part of that belief yeah. system. Mm-hmm. And I just remember this one guy just hated me and just called me a fag. Right. Without me thinking, without thinking I heard it. And I looked and I looked right at my cousin who looked right at me and turned away and didn't say anything. Violence. Wow. And at that time, I, I, what am I going to do? So I just swallowed it. Yeah. And it was, you know, at school, it was all of these, all of these experiences where there wasn't any emotional safety. I was constantly getting the message. Something was wrong with me. Emotional or physical safety. Right. Right. And, and typically when we think of family, this, uh, what do we call it? Fantasized version of family, I guess, right. <laughs> is, is that when we have family, they're supposed to protect us. They're supposed to be there. Right. And I, and I think my parents didn't know how to handle me. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't out partying. I wasn't drinking, but I was angry and I have a mouth on me when, you know, like not, not swearing, but like just aggressive when I was little, mm-hmm. when I was, you know, a kid and mm-hmm. I was just pissed off because like, just let me live my, let me get through high school. Mm-hmm. I remember this one kid and it was funny because a lot of these people that had issues with me, I never had actual interactions with, which just blew my mind. But because for whatever reason I, I became the target, I had this one kid who, and at this time, once again, it's like, you know, it's school, when you're in school, you don't say anything because that's going to induce more bullying, right? I mean, we, we know that. That's why kids... Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, it's not safe. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I had this one teacher and it, it was an English teacher and I wrote this poem and she kept me after and she did outreach. So like she like just pulled me in mm-hmm. and she helped me go to the hierarchy of the school. Mm-hmm. And... 
because this one kid was becoming physically aggressive. And I remember we had this vice principal at the time, and he was this rough and guff guy, right? That you would never go to for comfort. And he called me, Mr. Monette. And I was like, oh, sweet Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, I wish you would have come to me so I could have helped you. Well, I didn't know I could because you're intimidating. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, okay, thank you. Can I go now? You know, that was, <laughs> was like, okay, fine, good. Can I go? Like, you, know, <laughs> like you make everybody uncomfortable. Your presence, yeah. your energy, come on. But, yeah. but I mean, like when we're, when we're in the mental health field and people say, yeah. well, why don't people just say this or do this? Once again, because of the environment, it's like yeah. you learn it's not safe. Mm-hmm. shut down shut you know I wasn't going to become an aggressor in that way right um I just wanted to survive I wanted to yeah. get out oh that resonates with me I, I remember because I was I was bullied a lot um in junior high school and high school mm-hmm. some people call junior high middle school and so um and I didn't you don't tell teachers, you don't tell principals, you don't go to the guidance counselor or whatever, because it does significantly make it worse. Right, right. And just like you, I thought, I just literally, I'm this little scrawny kid. I go to school. I don't mess with anybody. I, I don't do anything to other people. I'm just there to do the th- same thing that everybody else is doing. Right. Get right. through school, get through the school day, get my work done if I can. And a group of girls, they made it their business to target me. Wow. And school was not safe. Right, right. So then I had to be there all day. So, yes. yeah. Yep. yep. You're stuck in hell. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. another level of hell. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you're a good person, this shouldn't be happening. Right. right. I mean, yeah. those, ne- those cognitive, it's that, that internal, like, what in the hell? <laughs> it's go like, yeah. I read the Bible. I did the sacraments. Like, I, I don't know what yeah. more. These aren't my sins. I, you know, yeah. and my faith just shattered. And, and, you know, at that time, my, my relationship with food, like fluctuated where then I really started to overeat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's still a battle, uh, you know, that I, I talk about today and, yeah. and still deal with a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I just remember, you know, being thankful, but once again, like if he had, if they had fostered that environment where I could have reached out for help, I would have done it sooner. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. But I, once again, there wasn't, there wasn't anyone who ever taught me how to fight for myself. Mm-hmm. When, you know, my, my family, I love and they're, they're good people, but they, um, for me, the messages that I got were about, you know, turn, turn the other cheek, right? The, you know, all of the Bible verses that I'm sure we've all heard. All of that. (laughs) And I'm like, if I turn my damn cheek one more time, like I'm sick of this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause I keep turning the cheek and they keep punching me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm Yeah. I get it. So, (laughs) so, and, and for, 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 you know, I don't know when you were going through all of this, a lot of that anger, you know, you talked about moving from Catholicism to, to Wiccan. What was it about um, Wicca that, you know, I, well, I, you? 
Yeah, I grew up, I loved Bewitched. I love I Dream. Like, it wasn't like anything. It was just like, well, this is so cool. They can make everything better. I mean, yeah. that is, and I didn't realize this till I was in the field. That's where I developed, you know, basically I had to dissociate in certain ways mm-hmm. and how to live in a fantasy world. Mm. So if I could have powers, if I could cast spells, if I could do a ritual, mm-hmm. then everything will be better. I also loved the feminine energy that was talked about in Wicca. Mm-hmm. That in the Catholicism that I was raised, it was all like man was a god, God was a man, you know, Jesus was a man, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, they portrayed Mary Magdalene as a whore, you know, like the only woman, you know, other than Virgin. Yeah, it yeah. was like, this just doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. Where is the where is the unconditional love? And I I felt in my studies with Wicca, mm-hmm. like thinking of the goddess, thinking of a god, like was love. Mm-hmm. And I just found it healing. The, I don't know a lot about, about the, the Wiccan religion, but I remember being in the military and there were several people that I had met that, that practiced, you know, Wiccan uh, the wicked religion. I don't know what you call it. And anyhow, but what appealed to me is they would always talk about the connection with the earth's mm-hmm. energy and, you know, with, with the water and the moon and, and all of that. And I just remember thinking how beautiful. Right. That na- natural. Yeah. And going back to what you said, it, it wasn't about being in a building. It wasn't that rigidity. That. It was freedom. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't the, path for me to stay on my life but it definitely helped me with some healing and I I love that and it helped me get through dark times of and I what you know I just read about it and I would look you know talk of it I was never really you know committed let's say um but it was definitely a beautiful part of my journey yeah and you know there was this one point later on where I had had a conversation with someone, I don't even remember who, about God. And they just said it in a phrase, they explained God of, you know, being this unconditional loving parent. And they said to me, if you're angry and you believe in that, like an unconditional loving, a parent is strong enough to handle your anger. To handle your everything, everything about you, every single thing. And that blew my mind because I had been holding everything in. And I thought, I have nothing to lose at this point Mm -hmm. in my my own, you know, and, you know, you're trying to function in life and and live and all this other stuff. But internally, you're just like in this utter chaos. Mm -hmm. And... So I let myself get pissed and I, in my head, I just screamed everything that I had wanted to. Mm -hmm. And then I just burst into tears and I started to grieve. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was freeing because I didn't, I didn't have to hold on to it anymore. Yeah. And around that time, Someone introduced me. I, I think it's called the footprints. I, I don't know if it's a psalm or a prayer about like when Jesus is carrying you. And, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. And it just like the idea, like all of a sudden hope had a place to grow of. Maybe I'm not alone. Maybe, maybe I'm not. Maybe I don't understand. Yeah. 
and going back to what you asked me is maybe I didn't understand because I didn't know to ask the questions. Yeah. So when we can't, when our needs aren't getting met and we don't know how, it's going to come out in destruction. Yeah. And and oftentimes we grow up in families in which they they, they can't take us where they haven't been. They and so right. It we're we're kind of stuck until we're not. And right. so you had your own kind of evolution. Right. Do yeah. you did you ever see the movie Sister Act? With of course. Okay. Yes. That is a type of chart. I remember seeing that. And I, cause I always, my mom, my family used to sing and I used to love singing in church. It was joyful. It's, I think when you're singing, you are in that unconditional love. It's that joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw sister act, I thought, yes, that is the joy. And she totally broke the mold. Yeah. And that just inspired me of maybe the spirituality is just like, it's what I have to be. I have to be, I have to be that for myself. I have to find what that means for me. Yeah. And I remember through the years as I started to question and, you know, I would study different beliefs. I remember in graduate school, we had to do this assignment where we had to go to a place of worship that was different than anything we grew up with. And I had never been to a Jewish temple. And it was one of the most sacred spiritual experiences, the synagogue in our area. And, and I'm sorry if I, if I mess up the terms. I don't want to ever be disrespectful of someone's, like, you know, when you're talking, sometimes your brain jumps around. I went to the synagogue and it was the most beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. And the rabbi introduced me to the community. I was welcomed. Mm. They showed me the Torah, which I had never, you know, being Catholic, you hear about it and Jesus and blah, blah, blah. I was seeing it and they explained to me what their songs meant and we broke bread after and we, and it was joyful. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is God, this is love because I had been taught, like, if you go to another church, it's a sin. Yes. And I was like, wait a minute, God, God's here. Cause I feel it. Because I feel it when I sing, when I when I'm helping someone, when I'm doing, when I'm properly serving others, I feel that flow of love. Yeah, that 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 thing right there, that feeling that that love. I had to find that for myself as well, and 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 I had to find it outside of the church and the traditions that I grew up in. Right, right. Because so much of that was based in. Uh, the patriarchal uh, domination and, you know, control and right, uh, right and wrong and, and who who's in and who's out and all of this stuff. And right. it just did not fit. And I thought, if if you're telling me I have to be perfect, then I'm never going to make it. Right. Right. I'm, I'm not going to survive. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Part of my journey, and you know, I talked about this, you know, different aspects of of what was going on is I also, at one point, I, some of the pieces of myself that I had been suppressing started to come out and things that I think I had known about myself since I was a kid. Yeah. um, You know, like different with my sexual identity and, and um, so much fear. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. of if I ever come out or if I ever talk about not, mm-hmm. you know, being like my family or being different. It was really scary. That was another piece that it took me a long time to heal. Uh, because when I was growing up in the 80s, I just remember, like I was born in the 80s and, you know, 80s, 90s. Uh, I just remember these petrifying messages about being a gay man. Yeah. And I remember, you know, the messages of, of being, you will go to hell. Yeah. You will live in sin. Mm-hmm. You, God won't love you. Um, uh, and all of these really disgusting messages about not just being gay, but also being in the LGBT community in general. Yep. And the fear of losing my family, the fear of, of, uh, you know, I was already being bullied. So it's like, would they, would they take it to the next level? Would they kill me? That, that was a fear that I don't think I've ever talked about with anyone. Because they will and they did kill. Yes. And they do. Yes. They do. Yeah, it's 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 unsafe to be anything other than heterosexual. Right. You will be faced with violence in the places that are supposed to be the safest for all of us. Right. Right. And so growing up in a church where I was told I was a sin and didn't know it, of course I'm going to hate myself. I am a sin. Hold on. That that part. Yeah. I yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep. I'm feeling that right so why would God ever love me and what a what a conflictive messages and and I can only speak from my experiences other people you know obviously have different ones those are the messages I so I got somehow mm-hmm. um of just hating myself yeah and just thinking well maybe it would just be easier if I was dead maybe I'll never hurt anyone. I'll never be an embarrassment. Um, and, you know, that just tied in with the depression, with the anger, because it's how could you're not being true to yourself? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I turned to food and I learned, um, you know, substances were, ne- were never my thing, but food has definitely been my, my choice of, of suppression throughout my life. Mine as well. So mm-hmm. you're in good company. Yeah. yeah. And so that was, <laughs> I practice uh, IFS, you know, internal family systems. We call that a firefighter, right? Mm. So, so that was the firefighter. That food was our firefighter to take us away from the pain. Right. And, and you know, like just bringing it back to about spirituality of when I started, I, I was living abroad, I was studying abroad and I had met a guy and I knew, and I remember clear as day, I knew it would never be a relationship, but I knew I liked him. Mm-hmm. And there is a thought of, if anything ever happened to me and I died in this country, mm-hmm. my family would know that I lived a second, a, a, a hidden life. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because I called my parents once. My I worked in this small cafe and they were really supportive of everything and they they know how hard it is. And they said, well, why don't you just call your parents and just, you know, say it so you can move on. And I remember I called my dad and I, I, you know, never really cried. Like maybe a few times cried. And I was like, dad, is there, is there ever a reason you wouldn't love me? You know, all, and he goes, <laughs> and he goes, what's going on? We're getting ready for church. 
And I said, I'm gay. And he's like, uh, okay, we, we love you. Or does that, are you feeling better? <laughs> just, like, like calm so, down. <laughs> it was so like, it sounds cold, but it, it was just like, it was just him. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like he just wanted me to be okay. Yeah. Oh, shout out to your dad. Thank yeah. you, dad. Yeah. Thank you, dad. And then I said, this was, I said, will you tell mom? <laughs> and he said, yes. <sighs> and, you know, to me, it was like a whole new part of my life could be because I'm from a big family. So then, you know, you, I love my family, but man, they send some stupid messages. Like, are you sure? Is this a phase? And mm-hmm. you just want to break the computer of like, ugh. Yeah, because it's painful. Like, mm-hmm. are you? You know, no. I'm telling you this because it's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it it allowed it helped. It was interesting because it it helped for a lot of healing, but it also showed me where there was still rigidity and oppression in my family. Yeah. And you know, just kind of jumping around a little bit of because it wasn't you know. My family knew, but it was still not something we could talk about. It was like craziness. So I came out, but I was still in the closet. Like, what? <laughs> and then, you know, this is what, you know, so growing up in my area of, uh, you know, taught how to be good people, but uh, we, everyone in my circle was white. Mm-hmm. There was no diversity there. I didn't understand, you know. There is, you know, we didn't talk about privilege. It wasn't talked about it, you know, of what it meant of how it can be used to hurt people or harm people or um, how that ties in with our religion, our spirituality of being a good person. And I just remember after coming out that, I don't even want to say the rebellious, but the, the part of me that needed to more, that needed to question. Yeah. I would be at family dinners and all of a sudden I would start questioning inappropriate comments. Well, because now you're on, you're, you're, you're aware, like, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> you're not just going to make that comment and we're just going to keep eating our mashed potatoes and ham or whatever. Right. And right. no, why did you say that? Why do you believe that? Yes. Yes. Like <laughs> in, in questions that, cause I was so ignorant Mm-hmm. on issues and I remember this one time and this was after my sister act days so now I came out so of course I love musicals because I'm going to be the stereotypical <laughs> why not breaking out in Broadway like I can embrace it I love it um, but I remember we were talking about church once at, a, at this family dinner and one of my family members was saying yeah I went to this I think it was like a southern church or something and they were like singing and dancing and jumping all over and and making all this noise I was like you mean they were in joy and they were singing in church is that what I mean but to me it sounded like I want to go to that church right but once again cuz I lived in such uh like a narrow world I'd only seen it on TV so I didn't even realize Again, there was that that prejudice belief of our church is better, our church is superior because we're we're reverent, right? We're not moved by the spirit. And I was like, I want to be moved by the bloody spirit. Like I want to sing out in song. Yeah. And it just, I think for me, that's what spirituality is of constantly growing. Yeah. And never thinking I'm better. Never thinking I've got it, 
every day I pray of what do I need to work on? What is holding me back? Mm -hmm. And I, I promise you every day I get the answer of what I need to work on. Mm -hmm. And through those moments, you know, through life, I, I remember this one time I was, I was really struggling with something and I, I had stopped praying. Mm -hmm. I stopped having a relationship with, with God for me. And I started to pray again and I just was so scared and I just put it out there and it was like someone had said it to me. It, it's it, as you know, I could clear it, hear it as clear as I could hear your voice of, when have I ever not taken care of you? Oh, wow. And I just thought, whether you believe in God or not, like whether it's just my brain, there's a part of me that's saying, you got to learn to let go of control. You got to learn how to have faith in yourself. Yeah. You have to love yourself that you are worthy mm -hmm. and you can't hate yourself because you're not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's love. Yeah. How, when, when did, when did that, about how old were you when that, when that happened? Oh, that was, that wasn't that long ago, actually. That was probably a few years ago uh, because okay. it's, so one of the other things was I had gotten in, involved with this group that was meditation and all this stuff. And I got involved with the new age. Okay. So, and this isn't, you know, I'm just going to put a disclaimer, like people who do new age, you know, meditation per like, I think there's so much beauty there. I unfortunately got connected with some really sick people. Okay. Mm -hmm. And where there was a lot of fear and, and certain people, you know, a lot of um, what I would say today would be like cult behavior. Mm -hmm. And so what I've learned about cults is if you have any sort of trauma or wounds cults like will pick up on you like it's their job you want to belong you're wounded you're mm -hmm. lost you don't belong anywhere else they're, they're going to exploit it oh yeah yeah and it like i was in it like believe you know different things of such harsh judgment such anger mm -hmm. such fear oh my god like this was the fear i felt with the, these people was nothing compared to what I felt growing up. Mm -hmm. It was basically hell would have been like a, you know, it, it would have been a holiday compared to what they were comparing. If I didn't cleanse myself and do all these other things and, mm -hmm. you know, and then what was really interesting is there was um, this issue that was going on with other people involved. It, it's, it's messy. Mm-hmm. And this opportunity to travel for me came up. And when I was gone, shit hit the fan and this person was exposed for being this vicious, vicious person. Right? Mm -hmm. And I was geographically out of the area, so I was safe. And I think, without a doubt, that trip helped save my soul. Yeah, It saved me from being connected to someone who is really, really unhealthy and sick. Mm -hmm. And man, that, that took me, I shut down so bad from that. Like I shut down any intuitive gifts, any, anything mm -hmm. to, you know, any instinct, anything. Cause I, I had 
my trust in myself had been shattered. Mm-hmm. But there was something in me that kept fighting. Mm-hmm. And it's taken years in therapy and spiritual work and connecting with true spiritual people of all different backgrounds mm-hmm. who reminded me of what love is. So that was your process. Uh, yeah, giddy up. <laughs> that was that was your process to to finally come to your own knowing that I don't need other people's interpretation. <laughs> yes. Of faith or belief or spirituality or whatever you want to call it of of how to to connect with my higher power. I don't need anybody else's junk. Right. And I kept it pretty pretty simple. If it doesn't if it doesn't harm me, if it doesn't harm someone else, and that I'm working on myself to properly help others. Mm-hmm. That is like my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like everything else can grow from there in love. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, I, and I'm, you know, I my brain can overcomplicate the simplest equation, but for whatever reason, knowing, learning how to forgive myself. Yeah. learning how to love myself it's it can move mountains and i think for me when i look at spirituality it's it's all the messiness it's all of those stories mm-hmm. and you know you never it's funny when we watch any movie or when i do when i grow up grew up you know i always wanted to be the powerful one the wizard the you know merlin and you know but i was really like I was worse than Merlin. You know, I was like the guy cleaning the pots. Mm -hmm. I had to go through, you know, Merlin just didn't become Merlin. He had to go through his trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. Every, every saint, every holy person, every good person, they don't get that way because it's easy. Mm -hmm. So for anybody listening that doesn't know the reference of Merlin, will you tell them what? what Sure. Like Knights of the Round Table. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, like Arthur and the night, you know, Merlin was this powerful wizard who helped this young man become the destined king mm-hmm. to help people and bring joy and love to the to the community. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned this one phrase where it said, you know, before enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. Mm-hmm. And afterward, what do you do? You chop wood and carry, carry water. water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, I go, I think that's what Jesus and all the other people yeah. were trying to teach us. Like, just be a good person. Like, be That's genuine. It. That's it. And be that's loving. It. And I think that's what I try to do in the mental health field, which is interesting because when I went through grad school, there was a pressure to really eradicate your personality. Mm. That you're not, you know, you're supposed to be this carte blanche. You're not really yes. supposed to, you know, like... You know, and to me, of course, that's where my rebellion, I was like, like, screw this. Like, I was like out of the wall, (laughs) like broke out of the wall. And this is is who I am. And this is how I'm going to help people. And it's, it's how I connect. Thank you for that segue, by the way, because, (laughs) you know, I wanted to ask you, how did you get into the mental health field? Hey, we're connected. We are connected. Yes. You just went there so seamlessly. And I do recall in grad school, you know, there's all of these rules and they really hammer you with ethics. And 
Well, that's why I'm in private practice because <laughs> I'm going to bring my full self. This is who I yes. am. Yes. Well, I think you, you and I, our first conversation, we talked about appropriate levels of swearing in a podcast. <laughs> I was like, I, we're at home. Let's just do this. Yes. Like, yes. Uh-huh. And I, man, when I left the clinic world and I entered private practice, I started connecting with other people and oh my gosh, they were incorporating their spirituality, whatever it was into everything they were doing. And I thought, holy shit, I, I was been missing out. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's not about forcing my beliefs down right. someone else's throat, but it's about saying, Hey, this works for me. Mm-hmm why don't we see, you know, how does that connect to you and what can we do to create the best plan for you as the client? Mm -hmm. And I think if I didn't have spirituality, I would easily be consumed by the trauma that I work with, by the loss, by the grief, by the anger, by the addiction of these amazing people that I work with. I feel like we, we, you and I need a whole conversation to just talk about that because Yes, the heaviness of what we do and, and and taking all of their stuff in and sometimes their stuff connects with our own stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and my faith, when I light my sage and I talk to God and I meditate and I pray and if I didn't have that, I would be so... I don't know that I could last in this field. I don't know how effective I would be. Right. My energy would be off. Right. Yeah. Yes. And we are not taught that in this field. And we're also, I don't know about your experiences. I also talking about mental health and it's mind blowing. I also face a lot of stigma of being a mental health therapist and needing therapy. Mm-hmm. I remember entering the field and, and being in a job where everyone around me thought that they none of them needed therapy and they needed therapy more than the clients. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes, yes. And I remember I remember like when I I got into therapy and my therapist talked about being in therapy I'm like what is this? It it was such a mind <laughs> blown experience of what am I missing? Cause then it was just all of a sudden therapy started to become normalized. And I was thinking I could dig like, you know, it was this discrepancy of, Oh, I'm going to be a mental health counselor, but I'm not going to advocate for mental health counseling. Yes. For myself. That was very weird. And I have noticed that, that there are some people in the field, some of my peers who have actually never been in therapy. <laughs> How? <laughs> How do you do this work and you've not <laughs> gone to somebody to deal with your own stuff? And for a while, whenever I would meet with clients for that first appointment, I would say, I am a therapist who has a therapist. So I understand what it's like to be on the other side of the couch, the other side, of, you know, to sit, to sit in where you're sitting right now. I understand that. Right. Um, right. Now it just kind of comes up through us getting to know each other through the therapeutic relationship, but yeah, it's important. Yeah, and I think people 
confuse self-disclosure with, I don't have to tell my clients everything I'm working on in my therapy, but normalizing that we all can benefit from therapy is it's that it's using common sense. Yeah. And I remember I had a client once I, yeah. And I had a client once who was telling me they were really hesitant to talk about a bad therapeutic experience they had. And I said, kind of just what you did of, oh, yeah, I've been there. I've had really good therapy and I've had really bad therapy. Mm-hmm. And they looked at me and I think I was the first mental health professional who ever admitted to being in therapy. Mm. And I was like, this feels right. It feels good. It was appropriate. And isn't that part of our job in as a mental health provider to be an advocate for mental health services? Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're not even talking about during COVID. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like this is all pre-COVID right Mm -hmm. and the need for mental health services since the pandemic has just increased I think for all of us it has it has that's my favorite time of the week is when I get to talk to my therapist and deal with my own stuff yeah yeah I love it so you know, we've talked about your your faith journey. We talked a little bit about your love of Broadway musical, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the support of your family, uh, having some really good friends through certain moments in your life, um, your the ability you know that you had in certain moments to also be vulnerable when you right. needed to be. Right. Was there anything else that kind of was your saving grace? at all during the hard times or or even now back then or even now learning to let the shit out yeah because i'm a major i can suppress Mm. and when i go for that baguette or that thing of cookies i'm pushing down pain yeah and to me it i deserve more yeah and i I need to let it out. I need to scream or I need to cry or I need to, you know, being a man in the man box of you don't show tears. You don't do this. It's like, I don't believe in any of that BS anymore. Yep. And if I need to cry, I do. If I need to laugh, I do. Mm-hmm. If I need to reach out to supports of knowing that belief is I deserve this. I don't have to earn this. I deserve it authenticity and 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 that's also a way that you just by allowing yourself just acknowledging calling it out naming that emotion naming that thing right this is what i'm feeling right now this is what i'm going through and just letting it out right um you're also helping that part of you just this is just what i hear that inner child, you know that learned because we come from families that suppress that didn't talk about the stuff right so, so you're also saying, no, 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 it's okay. Right. We're good. We can talk yeah. about it. We can deal with it. Yes. Um, yeah. So anyhow. Because uh, I think we all deserve it. I mean, that I mean, leaving that, it's like we all deserve to be happy and healthy. Absolutely. So now I've got some, some fun questions. Ooh, I love fun questions. <laughs> <laughs> when you are in a mood to move your body to dance, what kind of music do you listen to? Oh my God, ABBA. Okay. Yep. Nice. I, I bought Just Dance 2021. Mm-hmm. So I've been, when I, doing that, or I also love um, Latin music. Okay. 
So I'll put on either, you know, like some ABBA. I find really, I don't know, it's powerful, it's healing, mm-hmm. or some ABBA, or um, some Latin music. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, who or what makes you laugh? Um, the TV show Shit, Shit's Creek. Oh, I need to get back into that. I ha- I started the first season and... Yeah, you got to get through the first season and then it gets so much better. Yeah, I need to I need to get through that because I kind of gave up for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and then there's this comedian, um, uh, Paula Poundstone, you know. She, yes, I, I know her. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. During the summer, I bought one of her like audio books and mm-hmm. I went for an hour walk and I was laughing the whole time. Like it just was mm-hmm. like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Like just, I need that, that laugh. Yeah. Okay. Who or what inspires you? Oh. If anything. I I have some friends of mine that um you know have dedicated their lives to helping other people and you know they do volunteer work and you know with with AIDS orphans in Africa and all these different they they inspired me to be better. Awesome. So if somebody's listening and they want to connect with you, follow you on, you know, social media, how can they find you? Uh, my website has all my stuff. So patrickmanette.com. I'm, I think I, did I tell you I'm on the TikTok now? I'm on the TikTok oh. as well. I'm so hip. I feel like Dr. Evil from <laughs> like so out of date. So I, you yes. know, I, I'm on the social media, you know, uh, Manette Counseling Services, it's a mouthful on, on Instagram and Facebook. I, I love social media because you can, you can create it for an addiction or I find it for support. I try to fill it with, with facts, with support, with humor. I, I mean, you and I are constantly going back and forth with our, I love your posts. So I'm always like, like, Oh God, she's going to tell me one day, just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for following me. And I, yeah. I love I, anytime I get uh, an inbox with something you send me, I'm like, that's my brother. I love it. So yeah. you do a lot of, you do a lot of work with, with groups and with couples. Is there anything that you want to let listeners know that you're, that you've got going on right now? Um, I uh, do a, the Friday night feels is every two weeks. And that's on my Facebook page and then to YouTube. And I turned it into a podcast this year, which is really exciting. You can get to through Spotify. Um, and I also am offering an online couples workshop through, which is really awesome. It's for eight weeks. So the way I set it up is couples can watch me. It's kind of like a class, but they don't have to engage with each other. So it gives you that sense of privacy but it works for couples that have been together for six weeks compared to couples that have been together for 60 years. Mm -hmm. And it gives you basically ingredients of how to improve your relationship and your emotional connection. You there, Patrick? Yeah, it froze a little. Oh yeah, you froze. So, um, I'll make sure to add your uh, the information about the the hold me tight, uh, the couples counseling, in the show notes. 
And I've enjoyed having you today. Thank you so much. Are you still there? Okay, awesome. We're having technical difficulties. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, you're. I can hear you, but it's a little bit frozen. So I don't know what happened. But uh, anyhow, it's probably th- my internet. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it happens. Thank you so much, Patrick, for for being with me today. Thank you for having me, Tasha. Thank you all for joining me for today's podcast. And please make sure that you visit me at TashaHunterAuthor.com or you can find me always at Instagram at TashaHunterLCSW. While you are at it, please, if you found value in this show, I would appreciate a rating or a review. Uh, Also share this podcast with others and I will see you all next time.